Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. And today, I am privileged to have Indy Sen with me. Indy is a uh, MBA alum of MIT Sloan, and he's a VP of Product Marketing and Platform at Matterport. And uh, Indy broke into product marketing after he graduated from Sloan and has had a very successful product marketing career since then. And so I'm going to uh, get a chance to talk to him a little bit about his journey um, into product marketing and unpack it a little bit more for our listeners out there. And so, Indy, first off, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, I always love to start with a warm-up question, and I wouldn't be doing myself uh, a service as a marketer if I didn't start with this question. Of course, we all love this. So um, for my warm-up question, would love to know from you, um, what's, a, what's a favorite marketing campaign that you've seen recently that, that just has really stuck out or resonated for you? Yeah, absolutely. So first off, thanks, Al. You know, great to be here. Um, thank you for having me and, uh, you know, looking forward to the conversation. Um, uh, yeah, you know, good question. And, you know, this is the type of stuff that I absolutely geek out on, you know, like as, as a fellow marketer, yeah, I think you, you totally get it, right? Is uh, every time you see something good, you know, I get I watch the Super Bowl. I get more excited about the commercials for sure each each and every time. But one thing, uh, you know, especially in this pandemic uh, season when there's not a lot whole going on on TV except on streaming services where there's typically no commercials, and you know we haven't been getting out a lot. Honestly, at least I haven't. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, one campaign that I saw uh, that made its rounds on social media it was viral for like a hot minute. But like any campaign, I think that's a good sign. Was one that actually. It was for this uh, uh, um, auto battery uh, um, uh, uh, company, so so Die Hard, right? And they had this really cool commercial. So I'm a movie nerd, and so they had this commercial, and I don't know how they executed it or how they went about doing it, but uh, where they got Bruce Willis and some of the cast from like the original Die Hard movie to all kind of take part, and they kind of reenacted an action scene from a Die Hard and put like you know so Bruce Willis character John McClane in different situations, and you're like, wait, is this is this a new movie? Are they coming out with a new movie? And, you know, I love that series growing up and uh, I was super excited. Then you realize that, no, it's just a high production value commercial for diehard batteries. And, uh, but, but I just thought it was spot on, right? Because I think in this era where, you know, we're kind of glued to our little screens and we're staying at home, you know, you, you got to find entertainment where you can, right? And, um, and I don't know if they were planning on airing this for like Super Bowl and they just kind of preempted it or that kind of thing, right? But but uh, it was just a nice surprise. And it's kind of nice to kind of go on social media and not just doom scroll, but rather be happy and excited and share things, right? So so I think it was one of the things that just hit at the right time. And um, I forget when it was, it was maybe like one or two months ago. So uh, I don't know if there was any kind of seasonality or they just decided to go out with it, but, uh, but I thought it was super clever, you know, obviously great tie-in you know, uh, an homage to like the film nerds and then just super entertaining for people who aren't or might even be a conduit for people to discover those classic movies uh, again. But uh, but I thought it was super clever. So I don't know if you saw it, but but it definitely resonated with me. Um, I didn't see it, but what I loved is two, two things. Number one, nostalgia, right? And, you know, yep. kind of pulling at 
uh, pulling out the heartstrings a little bit for all of the, I mean, if, if you haven't seen Die Hard, you certainly may know of Bruce Willis, you know, it's certainly a big name. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> then, you know, uh, that's the other thing too, I was going to say some definite like big names that are in there. So I, I think that's great. Uh, that's a, that's an awesome, that's an awesome uh, campaign to highlight. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so sure. just maybe to get started, um, you know, tell me a little bit about uh, how you got started in your career. Um, you know, I know you went to Brown for undergrad, but, you know, what did you kind of do for those that those first couple jobs, you know, before you went to business school? Ah, yeah, yeah. So completely. I mean, you know, so so, you know, uh, I would even say, you know, I, I kind of I always knew I wanted to deep down that I wanted to either go into like business or law, I would say. Um, and so, um, and, and part of that stem, so, you know, I, I was a kid of the nineties, right? Like, you know, I graduated high school back then and at the time, you know, you, um, and I grew up in France. So that, that's the other thing about, uh, about my, my career journey is, um, you know, I was just, uh, at the time, I remember again, being a movie nerd at the time, there were a lot of like the, these John Grisham novels being adapted, uh, in, into movies and were super successful. And so I kind of was curious about both law as well as like the business world. And so, after undergrad, you know, I kind of figured, I tried to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, I ended up going to consulting, like, like many folks probably like before the MBA or after even, or before and after, um, although I, I still wonder why people do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I went into consulting just because I thought it would be like a really rich environment for me, a good sandbox to kind of learn everything I need to know about business. And the way I tied it back into law is I worked at this company in Boston after graduating from Brown called Charles River Associates. And um, for those who may not know, it's uh, in consulting circles, it's pretty well known for what it does, which is litigation consulting and strategy consulting. You know, they, they're, they're um, other likely firms are, you know, um, NEA and like, you know, Cornerstone Research um, Analysis Group, right? Are some other big recruiters that you might see at some of the college campuses and MBA campuses. And um, it was a great place for me to kind of figure out whether I wanted to go into law or business because, litigation consulting, you work normally for, you typically represent Fortune 500 companies, but you're hired by the law firms that represent those companies. So I went really deep into a bunch of cases that involved litigation, like patent infringement, mergers and acquisitions, um, those kind of things, and also did business consulting on the side. And I think very quickly, I realized that, you know, probably corporate law was not for me. You know, I think it, there's a lot of repetition in that type of work. And, you know, it's good. If you're good at what you do, you're, you're going to be paid handsomely. You'll do really well. And there's, you know, obviously a very good career path there. But, uh, you know, you're, you're definitely burning the midnight oil more so than maybe your ordinary consultant would because law firms also bill by the hour. And, you know, like, uh, you know, workaholism is prevalent, right? So I realized that that might not be for me. But on the other hand, what I did realize was that, you um, uh, you know, I was very intrigued by like just the, the business world and all the deliberations that go into like, you know, business strategy. So, you know, I was definitely a very much like a, a learner and, uh, you know, a, a self-starter. And, you know, at the same time, I was a consultant. I was, you know, reading Fortune magazine, Business Week. I was just trying to educate myself on all things business. And um, and I ended up doing this project, which I think would be a pivotal project for, for me and my career as a consultant that kind of led me to where I am today, which was, I worked for this uh, small company in San Diego called uh, Leap Wireless. And they're basically a mobile operator. At the time they hired my company to basically build a decision-making model to help them bid on like, you know, uh, spectrums of auction. So, um, and, and, you know, my firm was really good at building those tools. And I was kind of like a, like a nerd who built like, you know, spreadsheets and databases using VBA uh, for them. So, so I coded an application for them, you know, went to San Diego. And so first and for foremost, I was like, wow, the West Coast is, seems to be where it's at. This was like dead in the winter, February of 2005 or something like that. And I was just like, 
my goodness, you know, like uh, I could be in the cold out in Boston right now, or I could be enjoying 70 degree weather working for a tech company. So I think that was a pretty formative experience. And then I also just love being part of something where, you know, eventually the company was able to successfully bid on like specific bands of spectrum that led them to become a market leader um, in, in some of the uh, areas that they wanted to be. And, you know, I, I saw a direct line of sight as to my contributions towards where they were going, right? And so I kind of mulled over that and then I realized, okay, let me go to business school. And when I, when I decided to go to business school, I said, um, you know, uh, let me orient myself towards like technology, try and get up to speed. You know, I probably don't have a background at Brown. I was an econ and international relations major, uh, but I always had the aptitude for technology. And I think why I say that is because definitely was like a hobbyist as a kid. You know, I had an old school IBM PC compatible that, you know, I tinkered around a lot with, you know, went from like, you know, eight megahertz to 12 megahertz by pressing a turbo button, you know, like, so this is old school, you know, but like, um, but, you know, at, at Brown, I was a computer consultant. So I was the guy who worked at the computer clusters. If other students needed help, I'd go over and, uh, and help them and troubleshoot them with their software or hardware issues. So I knew I could kind of get the, the, the grasp of it, but I think the a pivotal moment for me and, you know, um, hopefully this does not sound like a, it, maybe it's a common story for many product marketers, but I remember it was 2007 and um, early 2007. And um, at the time, you know, like Apple was resurgent, you know, and like, you know, I'd already bought my first or second iPod and, you know, it was really enamored with the product. And, and I remember seeing the keynote for the iPhone that, that Steve Jobs presented and, you know, any marketer, I'm sure has probably seen the keynote a couple of times, but, and I was, you know, absolutely transfixed because I was like, man, this guy seems to be on top of his game. You know, I, I knew a, a little bit about Steve Jaws, but I knew that he was making his big comeback. And I was definitely a PC guy for the longest time, but um, I saw how he presented the, 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 his case for the iPhone. And this was a day where, you know, you thought between BlackBerry and other like cell phones that Apple did not have a chance, right? But they just, you know, uh, ran circles around all the competition and overnight invented a brand new category, right? And, and perfected it. And just seeing that keynote, even to this day, the storytelling elements, right? The, the slideware, right? Like, and, um, you know, I was excited about the product, no doubt, but what I was even excited more about it was that behind the scenes, I was like, man, somebody came up with that story, right? Somebody put that narrative together in a slide where it just made that launch a phenomenal success, right? And I was like, what's that job? you know? And, um, and then I realized that that was product marketing. And, uh, and so then I was like, you know, and, and at that stage, it just, just to me, it was very clear that product marketing was a discipline that danced at the intersection of everything I love and are kind of nerd out about or that I want to teach myself communications, storytelling, you know, great visuals, um, and just like great communications overall, right? And, uh, and, you know, I think if I thought about my background, I was like, I think I could be good at this, right? So I kind of tried to, as soon as I got into Sloan was to try to um, orient my career and my, my, my path towards, you know, getting a job in tech and marketing. So, so that, that's probably what was the most influential part of like what got me to, to how I, I first started in, in, on this path. No, thank you for sharing that. And a couple of things there. So as a, as a fellow, I like to call myself a retired management consultant. Um, I, I get it. Um, and I understand. And I, I did consulting before business school and afterwards as well. So, um, okay, I yeah. understand, uh, very much so. But, uh, the other thing I was going to say, I, I've, I lived in Boston for many years, so I'm very familiar with CRA and I actually, one of the smartest people I know, uh, started her career at CRA. So, and I can yeah. definitely, um, and she very much, um, she works in legal, she, she works in corporate counsel for Under Armour now. Um, oh, wow. but, Amazing. and went to law school, but 
to talking yeah. about like being at the nexus of business and law, um, couldn't have picked a better place to start a career. Uh, yeah. And arguably, um, we used to talk all the time because we both would be the ones who would be working late. And she definitely <laughs> worked way more hours than I did. So I can definitely validate what you said about, uh, uh, you know, the long hours at CRA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think about that old uh, adage, right, like you need 10,000 of 10,000 10, hours to kind of master a skill, right? Like sure. uh, definitely spent over 10,000 hours with like Excel, PowerPoint, and all mm -hmm. that. And, you know, like, and those are actually, you know, underrated tools for like, you know, marketing in general. I sure. mean, you spend a lot of time in PowerPoint and Google Slides, but Excel as well, right? Like, yeah. um, yeah. If you're trying to do some analysis, so much of what you do is data-driven, and if yeah. you have uh, an ease with that, it, it comes in handy. So, yeah, I mean, overall, you know, it, it was definitely, you know, like many consulting firms can be, it can, you can feel like, you know, a little bit of that sweatshop stuff sure. going on, but, but the, the skill set you pick, and there's at that age also the collegiality, right? Like, I'm mm -hmm. sure you, you have yeah, really fond absolutely. Of, um, of that, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I still think it's a great stomping ground or a great sandbox to learn, right, and sure. kind of be on that accelerated path, and then whether it's the right path for you or not, that, that depends. Right. But uh, yeah. yeah, I still have fond memories. For sure. And so, so you go to Sloan and you're kind of exploring, like you said, this nexus of communication and product and um, being able to storytell uh, to bring products to life. And so you find product marketing. And so, um, you know, your first job after business school was in product marketing, um, you know, at Salesforce. And so I right. um, would love to know a little bit more about, um, you know, like, were you purposeful about, you know, in terms of, you know, these are the tech companies I want to get into. Um, it sounds like you were kind of there with, with product marketing, or at least had, you know, kind of figured that this could be the thing for you. But, um, and then also just like, what was it like to, you know, like be doing product marketing on, you know, a SaaS product at the time, which like, I mean, SaaS today, obviously is ubiquitous, but yeah, uh, certainly was a little bit different back then. So just talk to me a little bit about that experience just right after business school and that first kind of role. Oh, completely. Yeah, no, great question. You know, I think when I, uh, when, so, you know, uh, I, I, I would say, did I find product marketing or did product marketing find me? Uh, the, the, my story of going to Salesforce was uh, kind of fortuitous, you know, like, I, you know, at the time, I, so, you know, full disclosure, like I, I had never heard of it, Salesforce until I came to business school and until, you know, I saw a job opening for them. And uh, I had a, a, a classmate of mine um, who was a Salesforce alum. And I, and I think he, I had, you know, we had met a couple of times, I got to know him. And, and so I was like, Hey, you know, Salesforce just posted a job and like, you know, should I apply? And he was like, dude, if you're interested, like, I mean, that's a complete rocket ship. Like even right now, like, so, uh, and I'll tell you who he is in, in a minute, but, um, uh, but, you know, if you're interested in B2B, you know, I know a lot of our classmates are going, uh, looking for like, you know, Apple or Google and all, but, but, that company is red hot, right? And if, and if you want to go there, I, I'm happy to introduce some more people so you can kind of like, you know, get to know people as you, as you go along the process. And so first of all, that classmate was uh, Freddie Karest, who is the, uh, uh, the chairman of Okta now. He incubated Okta when he was in business school. He was a Salesforce alum back in the day. So him and Todd, the, uh, the co-founder of Okta, you know, just decided he went to business school and then they kind of hooked up again and, and launched Okta, right? So Completely different success story, and that's a different trajectory that you know uh, a lot of us can aspire to. But, but you know, it all goes back to sometimes like making your own luck, right? And so the reason why I say did product marketing find me, or did I find product marketing, is that you know I was a classic career switcher, and I think a lot of people in business school are, right? And so, and marketing is one of those fields where, you know, I, and I still feel it's true to this, where you need to be a marketer before you are a marketer, right? Like, and you, and what I mean by that, it's it's not easy to kind of break in, and I had two sort of um, 
as much as Sloan was giving me the everything, the coursework and the edge and the experiences to put myself up for those jobs, you know, I, as a consultant, I neither was in the right industry nor was I in the right function, right? If that makes sense. And, um, but uh, this is where the, the coming full circle with what we were talking about some of these business tools that we we're using was that uh, there was this guy at Salesforce who ended up being my hiring manager for the summer, uh, for my summer internship there, uh, who was a MIT alum as well, but who just needed somebody to help him with pricing strategy. And, um, and so, you know, and so it was a, the internship was, you know, there was a internship, an MBA internship, and there were different hiring managers. So I talked to one, didn't feel like it was a fit, but he referred me to this other guy who was like, oh, you know what, uh, this guy, Andy, who I talked to really liked him. He doesn't have a lot of marketing skills, but he's really good at Excel. And the pricing guy was like, oh, let me talk to this guy. And, you know, within minutes, we knew that, you know, that it would be like a super great fit, right? Because he was asking me if I was comfortable with like pivot tables. I was like, I can do that shit in my sleep, you know, man, like, like, no, no problem. Right. And he's like, okay, well, why don't you do this? You come here for the summer. I'll teach you everything you, I need to, uh, I can tell you about, you know, pricing and product marketing at Salesforce. And if it goes well, man, like, you know, you got your ticket over here. And um, he was a great guy. Still, still in touch with him to this day. I think I belatedly took him, you know, maybe a couple of years ago for a steak dinner for him. And this was well after I left Salesforce, but I said, Hey, if I come back to California and work in tech, you know, I'll 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 get tricky to you like you know Bobos or something like that. And uh, and sure enough, we 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 made good on that promise. But um, but that's how I got into it. And you know, so you know, you were asking like, was this purposeful and all that? So yes, I knew that I would. I mean, I was absolutely elated when I got that job because B two B, I wasn't sure that that was necessarily the place I wanted to go. Like I said, a lot of classmates at the time, you know, the shiny objects were Google, Apple, and and people got those internships and. Uh, and, um, and for me, I was like, oh, well, I, I'm not doing B2C, but you know, maybe let's try this B2B thing. And before I knew it, as soon as I stepped foot on like the Salesforce campus, this was you know, old school, like 08, 09, when you know, uh, everything, everybody was still in the landmark building. You know, I, could, I was on the same floor as Benioff who had like that big office all the way on the other side. And, um, but there was just something about that, that team and that company at that stage where I was just like, these guys have only gotten started to where they are. You know, like you think about where the revenue was, you know, we had these great marketers. I think one who's probably still there, Eric Stahl, who came up with this video called, why, you know, why cloud, right? And, and you know, you go back there, it's, it's so old school, but the value props, the storytelling, it was exactly where Salesforce needed to be at the time, right? And, um, and then I, you know, I did some pattern matching. I was like, you know, like they're onto something like, you know, uh, virtualizations taking off, B2B, like, you know, uh, uh, B2B software is finally catching up to co commercial software. So, the, you know, every transformation that you saw from a consumer standpoint was slowly taking hold in, in enterprise, right? And naturally that takes more time. But, but, first, but, but first and foremost to me, I was just like, you know, cloud is where things are going to be going. You know, like it may, you, you, it may be, you may have to come up with videos of saying why the cloud and be on the defensive and even be like a pirate, right? With the no software flag. But it was only a matter of time before that thing would take off. And, um, and you know, lo and behold, like, you know, in between my internship and then um, coming back full time, the financial crisis happened, right? And at that time, you know, uh, I went from a situation where overnight, like I had a potential in to go back with Salesforce where they went dark, there was a hiring freeze, but I kept in touch with everybody, right? And um, towards the end of the summer, I think Salesforce started seeing that business was picking back up because if anything, the, the that, that, crisis showed that, you know, a lot of companies still need to spend on IT, but they're not going to spend on shelfware, right? They are going to go to the cloud. So that was an accelerant for Salesforce. And what also ended up getting me to, um, you know, to be well on my way on my journey there. And um, took my experiences in product marketing, 
um, ended up uh, uh, moving away from pricing, but going into partner marketing at Salesforce, but there was also product marketing for partners, if you will. And that was another rocket ship because it was the app exchange team, force.com team circa 10 years ago, right? Where we were only beginning to prove the model. And if you look at Salesforce's revenue today, the majority of the revenue, I think like 35% is, is platform, right? So uh, yeah, so I was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time. And so that's where I think going back to, you know, did I know that all of this was meant for me or it was the place to be? No, right. But but I think you take your cues sometimes, you know, you kind of do as you, especially as you get more experience in your career, you start looking at that pattern matching. Uh, and, you know, I'm glad that, you know, Freddie was in my class. I'm glad that um, he talked me into, you know, taking that Salesforce conversation. And then, you know, going back to my career, I'm glad that I was really good at Excel because I don't think I would have gotten that job otherwise. But but that that those are some of the things sometimes where, you know, you, you make your own luck and then also you you, you ride that wave. Yeah, no, that's great. And there's a bunch of things there that I, I just love. So number one, I think, um, and then this goes back to just honestly textbook marketing or product marketing. Um, the, at the during that summer internship, your 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 hiring manager's pain point was pricing, right? And in Excel, and you solved that pain um, with your own value prop, right? In terms of yep. being able to um, position yourself, you know, because you had that expertise, right? And so, um, you know, sometimes all it takes is a way in, right? Even if even if it didn't seem like product marketing on the surface, like it was your hook in, it was your way to get, way to get in. And then Completely. to your point, you just kind of take the, the wins and then you, and then you go from there. Um, and then the other thing too, it's funny. I think that um, what you're talking about in terms of, you know, everyone being interested in B2C and listing off all those companies' names. I think many of those things are probably still true to this day, just different, sure. different iteration of products. But I do think there are plenty of, um, business cases from you, you can make the argument too, from the companies that you worked at of many exciting things that are happening in the B2B space. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the innovation and the excitement and certainly, um, the spending. <laughs> um, so there's plenty of opportunities, uh, there. Yeah. And the last thing I was just going to say, um, it's great to hear. I always love hearing old stories of the, the heyday of, of Salesforce. And yes, uh, so you brought, you brought me down memory lane from some of the ones that I've heard from some of the, the people. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, ton, tons from where that came from, but, uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I think one, one thing I'll also add is that, you know, that whole B2C, B2B thing, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like, I think you're a marketer first and foremost, right? Yeah. And like, you know, you see some people as you get more experience going from B2B, B2C, it's, it's hard to go to one versus, it's hard to get into one at the very beginning. I think maybe arguably, maybe, at least for me, maybe B2C was harder to get into. Yeah. But, um, but, but to, to me, the, the biggest thing for me was like, hey, where can I go to learn this stuff, mm, right? Like yeah. learn this crap. And, yeah. you know, I was um, with some, uh, you know, as you know, the product marketing team at, at Salesforce is very, very strong, right? Like probably yeah. one of the best marketing teams, definitely on B2B, probably the best. And, um, and then even in, in B2C, they, they have like cachet, right? And, um, and uh, you know, and, and I, and I kind of saw that too, right? I was like, man, these guys are really good at what they do. You know, they, they're reading all the same books, they revere all the same marketing campaigns or, you know, ads that, that I do, but they're, they're obviously they're marketing something different, which is, you know, they're not marketing an iPhone, they're marketing, um, you know, like a, like a CRM, but sure, uh, sure. the craft is the same, right? The attention yeah. to detail, the storytelling, and sometimes the, the, it's harder um, to, uh, to nail that value prop and the storytelling when, you know, when your product is not doing the talking, right? Like right. product sure, marketers sure. are the quintessential product whisperers, right? And, mm -hmm. um, um, and, and marketing whisperers for the product, right? So, um, so to me, that was also, um, once I kind of put my hat in that ring, I was like, this is where I'm going to learn how to be a marketer. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and, and I think that's, that's also another area where that guided me in my career is like, where can I keep on learning 
from some of the best people in the business. Yeah. And I think on that notion, one of the things that I always think about to your point is, um, I think there's a lot of value in going to the place where you can get feedback cycles quicker, right? And so you can push stuff out quickly, get feedback quickly, see if what works and learn from it, right? And I think tech and in particular, you know, where, where the type of tech companies that you've worked at, given the, the stages of where they are, I think that's an accelerant for that, right? Because they are at such, you know, kind of growth rates where, you know, you are launching, you're constantly launching new things. You're constantly having to, uh, to position and take things to market um, and seeing what works and what don't, what doesn't. And I think the, um, the pace of growth for an individual that an individual has the potential to have um, in their own learning um, can sometimes be pretty significant, right? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it's not the coolest or sexiest thing, but um, from a growth and just learning potential, I think there's a lot, uh, a lot of opportunity there. Oh, completely, completely. Yeah. And, yeah, and and you know, and, and and it can take time. Or sometimes you hit like a certain wave, a pocket of like you know, enablement and inspiration that that gets you to the next level. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, one quick anecdote for you is, I you know, I remember I went back to Sloan for my ten year reunion. Like, um, was it? Yeah, like so, like a year ago when you know we could still travel freely and all. And that was when I was at WeWork, and I'm sure we'll probably get to that at some point. But uh, you know, that was still when WeWork was flying high. And I remember um, catching up with one of my classmates and, and, you know, and we were exchanging notes, like he's a you know, founder of a company. He's doing quite well, you know, got, got, he had just gotten funding, a second round of funding. So, you know, and this is where, you know, it's so great to be part of the business school community. Cause I know your, your audience uh, probably is a lot of like, you know, MBAs or, or, or want to be MBAs, that kind of thing. Right. And, um, and, you know, there's no thing like that, that level of kind of kinship that you have with your fellow classmates. But he actually reminded me, he was like, man, you know, like, uh, it sounds like you're having a great time at WeWork and, you know, you have a team of 30 people, product marketers under you. And man, like, like, I don't know if you remember this, but you told me that that's what you wanted to do is be like a product marketing leader. And I was like, really? Like, you know, and, and, and I remember that I was like, you know, and, and you know, and I think we were both kind of looking back and giving ourselves like, you know, not ourselves pats on the back, but each other pats on the back being like, you know, like he, he's building a medical devices company and that's what he came to do. And, um, yeah. and so I think you're right. Like you, you, you have a plan. Sometimes you stumble on like certain opportunities, but you never, if, if, if you feel strongly about something, you will find a way to get it done. Right. And you're yeah. not going to spray away. So that's the other thing is like, it can take its time, but, uh, but sometimes you don't even know that you've accomplished something because you're so uh, laser, fixed yeah. on laser focused on getting things yeah. done. But it took that conversation from my friend to remind me just how far we all came, right? Yeah. And uh, and and then I thought that was a great validation, and uh, and certainly not the end of the journey by any means. But um, but yeah, you know, like it's uh, you know, so so very grateful for you know that that network and the mm-hmm. community and what it brought to me. Yeah, and certainly it has been you know quite a journey, and as you said, cer- certainly not over, but definitely quite a journey for you. And so um, going back to something you said earlier, yeah. um, you've you know ha- had some great companies on your on, in your career that you've worked for in terms of Box, Mulesoft, Google, uh, you know, time at WeWork and now being at Matterport. And I'm just curious from your perspective, um, you know, uh, like we said, like product marketing in some respects is, is this in terms of what you're trying to do, it's, it's can be similar, but you know, perhaps the means in which you're trying to, you know, do the thing versus B2B versus B2C, or maybe within certain verticals within tech, like it can differ a little bit. So I'm just curious, you know, based off of, you know, kinds of the kinds of companies that you've been at, you know, maybe what are some of the things that are similar? And then maybe what perhaps are some of the things that have been different with respect to product marketing, you know, as you've seen them through all those different companies that you've been at? 
Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question, Al. I think, you know, um, uh, when I think about the companies I've been at, right, it's been a mix of, you know, Fortune 500 public companies to, you know, much smaller, you know, startups, you know, Series C, Series D, uh, you know, pre-IPO companies, right? And I have yet to do early, early stage, and maybe that's, that'll be in the cards one day. But, um, but you're right, you know, product marketing can mean different things at those type of companies, right? And there's, uh, you know, and I'll look at it in a couple of ways, right? First of all, there's the definition of product marketing, right? It's, uh, you know, uh, to me, what has always felt true, and I think it has gotten truer and truer by the, every company I've been at and my experiences is that product marketing is probably like the, the most um, cross-functional discipline within marketing, but also within the company, to be honest, right? It's, I think what's always holds true to me is that it's a discipline that exists at the intersection of the of product sales and marketing, right? So, and as a product marketer, if you do your job right, or like if, if you're really leaning into what the promise of product marketing, you're probably spending more time with sales and product than you are with the rest of the marketing team, right? Because you are consuming information as it's being revealed, right? Like with, not only with product, but with sales. So with product, you know, when I was at Box, when we were around 300 employees, I'd be sitting and like sprint reviews with the technical teams talking about what they were building on the platform, which was the team I was across and instantly kind of trying to convey what that value prop would be, right? As it was being built, right? And um, so you, you're, you can be very, very close to those teams and, and, um, and both with sales also having your ear to the ground, listening to like, you know, what are sales people saying to customers and what are customers saying back to them? So you can incorporate that in your messaging. So I think what's true um, uh, and, and, and I think is a kind of like an evergreen for product marketing is that it's cross-functional it's at that intersection of product sales and marketing. And it's kind of that muscle that you're building, right? For the organization. Like, so to, to me, uh, you know, you've hit your stride with product marketing when, you know, like, especially from like a messaging standpoint, when, you know, you're seeing product marketing is seen as like the messaging API for the rest of the company, right? So whether you're a fellow marketer who's standing up like a field event, not that we have that many field events right now, but you know, where you're saying, hey, what should we put in our booth? What's the slogan for this vertical, for this audience? Um, all the way down to, you know, um, sales who's talking to like a specific, uh, you know, uh, customer uh, type, you know, company size and all. And then they're saying, hey, what's the right way to talk to each of these things? If you do your job right as a product marketer, right? Like you have all the right messaging primitives, the assets, the messaging hierarchies, right? To, for people to kind of self-serve, right? To kind of just make a call into the product marketing database and be like, oh, this is how I talk about our product for like this flavor of um, customer and company and whatnot, right? So, so. I'm a strong believer that, you know, I think that, that would, to me is central to the thesis of product marketing. Um, but now things that change is I think it's, um, and this I think is true of marketing as well, is that um, culturally speaking, you know, product marketing can play a different role at different companies. And what I mean by that is that there are some times where product marketing is extremely strategic, almost like leading the charge, right? And I feel like Salesforce to this day is probably one of those companies where product marketing, like, you know, if we are doing keynotes at Greenforce or, uh, you know, presenting at customer events, it's typically the product marketer that 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 for that product that's giving that that speech, right? If, if, especially if it's more of like a lead generation marketing kind of thing, product marketing leads a charge. You know, ditto with like Apple. You look at some of the presenters at the last uh, you know Apple event that they did. Quite a few of them were product marketers, right? And um, but now you know the the other side of that is that you can go to a company like a Google where product marketing is. Um, you know, when I first got there, I was kind of surprised, like how transactional it first seemed, right? Like where a product manager would be like, hey, you know, you're the new product marketer for this, right? So we're launching this product in like three weeks and we need a blog post, right? And you're like, 
okay, uh, tell me about this product. You know, what is it? And like, what? And, and then you kind of start unpeeling the onion and, and then you realize it's like, did they do any product market research fit or that kind of stuff, you know? And at Google, you know, I can see how that culture has transpired where, you know, you start off as a consumer company and, you know, obviously B2B in terms of ads and all, but, but where, you know, you build something innovative, they will come, right? But when you're going to enterprise software, which is the division I was in, Google Cloud, it's very different, right? Like you can have the best technology that even people who are like, oh, tell me about this. That doesn't mean they're going to buy it, right? That doesn't mean that they're going to um, speak to you only versus not Microsoft and, and the others. And, um, and that was something where, it, you know, it took folks like me and other, uh, obviously some of the leaders I worked with to kind of rehabilitate what product marketing could mean and could deliver for, um, for, that, for that group. So sometimes you feel, uh, so I think what's different, um, what's the same is that I think the promise of product marketing could be the same, but the way it implements and the way it, it manifests itself in the culture of the company is in my experience, what has been different from company to company. That's great. Thank you for breaking that down and sharing some of those experiences. And I, I that definitely resonates and like a true product marketer, um, the messaging API, I love that. Uh, yeah. such a great, such a great analogy. And the explanation is so clear. Uh, I'm going to definitely steal that one from you. I think that's, yeah, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I mean, how it works. <laughs> that's a, that's a really, that's a really great, that's a really great metaphor. And I hundred percent agree with you in terms of how it can look company to company. I think you're totally right. I think, um, to your point that you made, you know, products are a different, can be at different stages of the life cycle, which you know, sometimes constitutes, um, different needs from product marketing. And then I think the other thing which you hit on upon is that if you look back to the DNA of the company and what it was, I mean, Google has, you know, been always been a very product driven company, right? Um, yeah. Going back to the founders and then, you know, certainly companies like, you know, Salesforce, um, you know, Mark's a great sales and marketing guy and always has been. And, and, and that's, that's certainly reflected down, you know, inward and, you know, the guidance I kind of give to, to people or, um, you know, when, in terms of thinking about that is, um, I'm not necessarily sure, and maybe you have an opinion on this, where one is better than the other, but I think it's more about, you know, within the con the role that you have or within the company that you have, you know, within that, within those bounds, like what is the impact that, you know, you can drive, right? Like, or, um, or how do you make that work within the box that you're in? Uh, because um, I do think you can be, find successes in, in all types of, of those kinds of um, frameworks, if you will. Um, it just, they're just different, right? Um, they're just different. Yeah, no, completely, you know, and, and I think that's where, you know, you have to figure out like whether you're going to be, you know, set up for success, right? Or how sure. do you find yeah. a way in which you can be successful? Because the other thing about product marketing, and I think I'm sure you, you've seen this too, right, is, is that it, it's one of those roles where out of all the roles in marketing, it's, uh, I mean, it's super interesting, you know, I mean, that's why I keep on, you know, uh, gravitating yeah. back towards it, because it, it plays at the intersection of so many things I kind of care about, right? But um but it's also one where it's hard to necessarily show, you know, your impact or the results. And what I mean by that is that, let's say you have a really successful launch, you know, sometimes PR will take the credit for like, you know, landing the articles, right? Um, uh, 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 demand gen will take the credit for like the, uh, you know, the leads that are coming in, right? And like the web team for like the visits on the pages and then product will take credit for the product, right? So, but you're that quarterback who moved all the chess pieces to kind of get people there, right? And not the only one, right? Like, I mean, I think every every person will probably think of themselves as like the hub uh, 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 in the wheel of the organization that, that transacts with all the spokes. But um, but it is true. Like if you look at, you know, and, and many people, you know, that have either when, when I interviewed for product marketing roles or when I interview people, like, you know, the, a good question to always ask is like, how do you determine like, you know, your value, right? Or what are you, yeah. how do you measure success? Yeah. And, um, 
And I think that's where you have to, you know, depending on the organization, there might be some areas where you're, you're going to have to be, uh, you know, the metaphor sometimes is that is you can be a driver or you, you know, like sometimes you'll be Batman, sometimes you'll be Robin, right? And what I mean by that is that, you know, sometimes you will get this stuff done and you'll also get kind of get the credit for it, or you're just, you know, the, the, the best supporting actor and, you know, your success, uh, somebody else's success will hopefully transfer into your success, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, did it with sales, by the way, right? Like when a salesperson takes down a deal because of a killer deck that you, you know, you, you, uh, you know, you uh, uh, unleashed in, in, on that sales team for the, like three quarters in a row. Uh, it's still that sales rep that walks away with the deal. Sure, the quarter, the right. Chart. But mm-hmm. uh, so, um, so, so all this to say is that I think um, you have to figure out like in which way are you positioned for success? And I think there's success that, and I look at it at different levels, right? There's, first of all, are you at a company that celebrates or that, that, that has a, um, a respect for product marketing. And then, you know, and, and I mean, respect, not, not in a bad way. Like it's not like you're ever disrespected in an organization, hopefully, right. You probably shouldn't work there otherwise, but where is product marketing influential and, and a, and a, and a trusted partner to the business. Um, and I think that's where some companies still will probably say, well, yeah, no, it's just, you know, you're writing a blog post, you're a service bureau, you're like a content sweatshop. Right. And, and that might be a good place for you to, be and learn sometimes, but you know, that's not an area where you're going to teach yourself how to lead or kind of like pick up other set of skills that you want. Right. So, and I've been in certain micro kind of, um, part times in my career where like, sometimes you felt like a service bureau and all that. And, you know, you still do the work. It's still good work that you can stand by that you can talk about, but it's not going to move the needle on your career. Right. So, so I think the first thing for you to look out for is, you know, given how product marketing can be implemented in different companies is like, look at that company, talk to the companies and figure out if product marketing is seen as like an A player, right? Like in, in that field. Then the second thing is within the team, you know, like in the greater marketing team, sometimes product marketing, most of the time I've seen it report to, pro- to, to the marketing org, but sometimes it's reported to product too, right? And as a career, for your career, you got to be very careful about like, you know, which way that goes, right? Because, you know, uh, at Box, for example, I was a product marketer that reported to, I was one of the only product marketers that reported into the, a product organization because I ran platform marketing for Box. And um, it was great. We did a lot of great things, launched a lot of things, but, but you know, and, and I learned a whole lot, right? So, so no misgivings there. But when it came to like career advancement or me being evaluated for like, you know, other types of roles, I think I did feel that, you know, I was, I was on the wrong job ladder, right? Because I was being, I was a marketer, but in a product organization. And when you think about, you know, things like promotions or evaluations or whatnot, right? Um, you know, the people who are top of mind are the people who nail the criteria in that ladder as opposed to marketing, right? So, so to me, make sure that as a product marketer, ideally you're part of the marketing organization because you need to be assessed in that, in that way. Um, and then at the last level, it's just more like, um, you know, I think product marketing in a lot of ways is what you make of it, right? Like if you're given the opportunity to kind of lead a team or be across the, uh, and own the product marketing agenda, let's say, especially if you're in a, like an earlier stage company, um, is to, um, is, you know, I think product marketing is what you can make of it, right? Like, because you are so cross-functional that, you know, if, especially if you're a small company, you're kind of like a, like a mini CMO for that company, right? Like typically, I mean, I advise startups and, you know, they often ask me like, you know, should I hire demand gen or should I hire product marketing? And, you know, depending on the answer, obviously is that it depends, but, but a lot of times if you're looking for someone who's kind of like a Swiss army knife, right. Who can, um, you know, who has driven demand gen programs, but also knows how to do the positioning and all that, you might be better off with a product marketer. Right. And I, and I think that's why you typically see product marketers end up 
becoming, you know, like, you know, GMs at certain large organizations or even CEOs of like companies, right? Like that's not unheard of. Um, or head of marketing as well, right? Like I think you, because you're constantly putting all these things together. So, you know, I think there's, um, so th that's kind of how I think about like, you know, when depending on all the different company, any company you can come to will might have a different cultural outlook on what product marketing is. But, um, but you know, those are ideally the things you want to look out for um, because otherwise you're not going to be successful without them. Uh, but then if you are in a position to kind of define what it is, then, you know, you can, you can go pretty wide. Yeah. No, thank you for that. And I think that's a really, those are really good characteristics for people to think about as they're trying to um, determine where they want to take their career, particularly within product marketing. Um, and so um, not only have you been in product marketing for, for many years now, but you've hired, you know, product marketers over the years. I'm just yeah. curious, you know, what are the, what are the things you typically look for or skills that you look for when you're, you know, hiring, you know, fully knowing every role is going to be different, but um, you know, what are some of the what are those things that you think are important to, you know, hiring and being a successful product marketer? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, so, so I typically look for four things specifically. One is your ability to um, influence, right? Like, you know, in the conversation or I'll ask for questions like, you know, have you ever been in time where you had to influence yada, yada. Cause I think as a product marketer, right? Like that we were saying, you're at that intersection of like, you know, marketing sales product, typically and specifically product and sales, right? Like you're not part of the organization. They don't have to listen to you, right? Like, and and you know, you need to you. But at the same time, you you you're bringing that 360 kind of outlook on what needs to get done from a go-to-market perspective, right? So so you better be able to influence people and help drive to decision makings and inspire cross-functional teams, but without typically having that authority, right? So I think um, that ability, that experience, and you know, obviously, if you're senior, I'll look for more examples of it. If if you're just getting started, like, is do you have that drive to kind of get people excited? Right is is what I what I look at it like because sometimes especially at, at, at a junior level, um, uh, you know you're you're often dealing with so many different personas in the workplace, right? Like the engineers will be like more like, well, I worked on this and I want to ship it, you know, like what's in the way, right? And, and product uh, and 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 so on, right? And and uh, but if you if you can be seen as that ambassador and almost like the cheerleader for product, um, I think that's a great proxy for influencing. I, I think the second thing is storytelling, right? Is um you know can you you know, to me, I'm, I'm uh, you know, again, movie nerd, right? Like, I think that, you know, to me in any technology company, I feel like, you know, you, uh, and as a product marketer, you need to be able to like take a plot and turn it into a narrative. And what I mean by that is that, you know, typically product and engineering are being like, hey, here's what we're going to build. Here's how we're going to build it. And, and, and you know, and, and that's the approach and that's the product, right? And, 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 you, and hopefully they've, they have done some research around like, you know, is there a need for this product and whatnot, right? But, but you're helping them connect that plot into a larger narrative, right? So like for them, it's probably boy meets girl, girls built on AI and boy is uh, machine learning and that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, uh, every, everyone ha lives happily ever after, but you're going to be like, okay, well, what are the circumstances in which the story unfolds and is a success, right? So to me, you got to have that knack for finding what that storytelling hook is that gets to, you know, the heart of the why of why you're building things. And um, not only why, but why now, right? So why is this, this story relevant and why now? So I think that that, that art of storytelling um, is something that I, that I typically look for. And, and, you know, it's a muscle, right? Like I, I'm not gonna tell you I'm the greatest storyteller, but I, but I do like good stories. And, um, and, you know, to me, and I've done a lot of work in my career on like, you know, platforms specifically, whether it was force.com or Box or even, you know, WeWork that was trying to be the social, the physical social network 
fabric of the world, right? Um, to me, what's always been true is that I think um, there's a good platform, a, a good story is a good platform, but a good platform is also a good story, right? And so I think that's what you get with like a, a great product marketing storyteller. And then two more things is positioning, right? Like, so, you know, like I told you how, like, you know, I'd sit in like, you know, sprint reviews, a box with like, you know, five engineers and two product managers. And I'd have to kind of figure out like, hey, how do I position what's this, this, what's being built right now? So, you know, you have to have the ability to distill the product's features and benefits into something that's, you know, aspirational. And that makes the audience feel like that product is uniquely suited to make them into a better version of themselves, right? So one of my favorite positioning ever to this day, and, you know, it might be, I might have to find a newer one because it's kind of old now, right? But when the first iPod came out, right, MP3 players were nothing new, right? They, you know, you had so many different um, alternatives to MP3 players. You also had like mini discs and CDs that played MP3. So I'm probably dating myself and maybe half your audience may not even know what I'm talking about at this stage. But but what Apple did was they, they and, and, and actually if, if, um, if, if, if I was talking about the iPhone keynote the other day, but if you look at the iPad keynotes or sorry, the, the, I'm sorry, the iPod um, reveal that Steve Jobs had like five years before that, um, again, great storytelling. And, and what I liked about what they did is that they distilled so on the on the surface of things the, the the all the iPod was was a three and a half millimeter um, hard drives that spinned into like that was like fit in the uh, in a box that was the size of a deck of cards and that had like a, a a user interface on it right so many companies were trying to do that they had not quite nailed the sexiness and the form factor of the iPod but an MP3 player was nothing new but their positioning was a thousand songs in your pocket. Right. And and that goes to the heart of what like an MP3 player should be. Right. It's not like, oh, it's 256 gigabytes. It's not like uh, it's not like, you know, um, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, a shiny metallic, uh, you know, nice looking thing. Right. It's like literally 10,000 songs in your pocket. Hi, honey. Her cage is being cleaned. Her cage is being cleaned. Okay. This is uh, this is my daughter and my my newest child over here, Callie. Um, so but but going back to the. <laughs> Going back to the example is that, you know, that positioning to me still to this day stands the test of time. And I think that's true. And so positioning and good positioning, good positioning to me is vital, whether, you know, you're marketing an iPhone or whether you're marketing an enterprise service bus, right? Like, I think you still got to nail that. Uh, and then the last point is uh, curiosity, right? Like, I think, you know, to me, I go back to, again, maybe a Steve Jobs thing, right? But like, there's a famous commencement speech where he says, stay, stay hungry, stay foolish. I think what I look for is an aptitude for someone who's looking to be on a growth curve, right? Um, and also for me, the challenge I give myself every time when I go from one job to another is like, what, what's the place that's going to help me grow in a different place, right? And, um, you know, you know, you're doing a good job when you learn something new every day that you're there, right? And, and, and you know that either you're not in the right job or that you're stagnating if you're just doing the same thing over and over again. So, so to me, what I look for is those four skills, you know, like curiosity, like that continuous learning um, ability to learn and want to learn positioning, um, storytelling, and the ability to influence without authority. Thank you for breaking that down. I think those are all, those are all really great um, examples of skills that MBA students, I mean, all product marketers, but in particular, MBA students should really pay attention to. And um, no, I think those are definitely ones that I, I think I, I really resonate with me and things that like, I would hope to think that uh, I'm working towards or I'm good at myself, but I, I really love how you, you broke it down. Um, Indy, thank you so much for being here. I guess maybe just to wrap, you know, as you, 
uh, as you talked about, when you were very much a career switcher coming into business school and moving into both product marketing in terms of both industry and function. And I know uh, many other MBA students out there are, are the same. Um, maybe what advice do you have you know, for MBA students in particular, if they're interested in product marketing, particularly if they are career switchers, you know, how, um, how can they be successful in, in a very much similar way that you were in terms of being able to break into product marketing you know, after business school? Yeah, yeah. Such a good question and one that really resonates with me, you know, because, yeah, I, I definitely consider myself as that quintessential career switcher, you know, and, uh, and you know, like graduating from business school. So my, my story is I graduated from undergrad in 2000 and then business school in 09, right? And those were absolutely the worst years in which you could be a graduate of any school, right? And because, uh, you know, both times the economy went to the shitter, right? So, um, so uh, I would say, you know, a couple of things. One is... Um, uh, and, and maybe this is how I, you know, one of my favorite philosophies is like stoicism, you know, is just being like, you know, uh, amore fati, right, which is in Latin means like trust fate, right, is like you, you got to roll with the punches and, you know, like there's no, uh, there's never going to be an ideal set of circumstances, you know, like you look at people's careers, typically, you know, and, you know, I'll look at your LinkedIn or you'll look at mine and yeah, you know, it probably looks like a, you know, greatest hits and, you know, or, and, and, and you know, like an upward career trajectory. And, you know, people think of the careers as like linear, but nothing could be further from the truth, right? Like there are like ups and downs, both for professional and personal reasons. And, you know, I definitely remember I had a chance to kind of think about, you know, my career over uh, this past year, especially because, you know, exactly a year ago is when I left WeWork when, you know, uh, amid like a, you know, a horror story of like, you know, media coverage and just, you know, um, a lot of things not going our way, unfortunately, right? And it was not because of what anybody at the company did or like, especially people in the ranks, right? But, uh, but it was more around like expectations and self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will, right? Like I think we work as, as inside, probably here to stay, they may not be the leader or as big as they wanted to be, but especially with the pandemic and what we're seeing here, this, that, that co-working model has legs. But I would say that, you know, it's ups and downs, right? In your career. And, um, but I think you got to accept that these things happen for a reason. And for a career switcher, you know, I would say, don't get discouraged at any point in time because, you know, you, I think you typically, you know, if you trust fate, right, like, and, and uh, you, you naturally will gravitate towards what you're good at, right? And I think half of the ball game in, in your career is figuring out, like, what you don't do or what you shouldn't do, right? In, in light of, like, what your aspirations are and those kind of things, right? Because at the end of the day, it's easy, especially as an MBA grad, right? Like, you're, you're going to be sought after. You, there are some roles, you know, like, uh, I remember... And I don't know if this still holds true, right? Like my years are probably like a decade ago, but uh, but where you know you're like, hey, there's a job you want, and then there's some backup jobs you apply to, right? And um, and and I kind of fell into a trap, right? Like in 08, I was applying to a couple of companies where I was like, oh, maybe I'd go back to uh, consulting, and which I think you know, if it was a different consulting firm, it would have taught me something different, right? Um, but I was also looking at like you know uh, industry and like you know things like insurance and all of that, and like you know, could I be like a biz ops person? And yes, I could have done that, you know, and then, and I think I, I definitely had jobs in hand, um, but I held off for like, you know, Salesforce giving me a call back in the summer, right? And then, and, and literally I, I was ready to ship myself off. And this was when my wife and I we were both, uh, you know, no kids. We, we put every, all of our possessions in a, in a, you know, like one of those pods and shipped out of our, everything out of our house in Alston in Boston. And, um, and we're ready to drive cross country to find a job in California. She quit her job. We both were looking to do that. But then literally, um, you know, 10 days before our uh, departure date, um, Salesforce called me back and, you know, they said, hey, 
you know, thanks for coming back over the summer because I flew myself there to, you know, talk to them and those kind of things. And then they, 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 they found a job for me. So, um, so I would say don't give up. Right. And I think, um, I think so much of your career to me, you know, like to me, you're never going to be your last job. You're never going to be your current job and you're, you're not going to be your next job either. Right. Like I, but I think what you are responsible for and what I mean, try to say is that your job doesn't define you. Right. So if you're, that's something you want to do and something you're going after, whether it's technology marketing or, you know, like a brand that like a uh, consumer or, or if you want to be a sales rep or whatnot, right. Like as a career switcher, um, you know, uh, hang on to that, right? Because I think coming from like an MBA program, hopefully you have taken the coursework, gotten the experiences to get you to where you want to be. But it is always hard to make that jump from industry to, or to job from one function to another. But but hold on tight because, um, you know, I think if you persevere, I think the, those things will come to you. And also you may make course adjustments along the way that, that feel like then that end up helping you find what, what, you're, uh, what, what you're really after. So I would say, you know, trust fate right um uh persevere and um and you know i think so much of your career like you know you may not always get the the job that you want or may have to take a couple extra steps to get to where you want but you completely own the definition of your career you know like i think if you let your career define you it's going to be way too late before you realize that you know you're you're kind of sort of like uh, uh how would i say like um uh being your own tourist in your own life right like i think you owe it to yourself to define your career so um, so to, to me, uh, you know, I, I definitely optioned out a lot of things, right? Like, you know, I mean, even business school, I got into, I was on the wait list for Sloan, right? And, um, but I got into INSEAD and INSEAD is probably one of the best programs outside of the US, you know, like globally renowned and all. And I even put a deposit down, which was not a, a unsubstantial chunk of change, but, you know, I was on wait list at Sloan. And then at the end of the summer, I got in, right? And I, I paid, I was almost ready to kind of ship myself to France to, to go to INSEAD. But I knew that Sloan was where I wanted to go, and um, and I think you know you uh, you have to create those opportunities for yourself. And like you know, um, you, we know we spend so much time obsessing over how much money we spend or how much time we spend on these trivial kind of decisions in life. But when it comes to your career or where you want to go, um, you you have the same decision making process and are equipped to make the same decisions as you can for, uh, for 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 the less important things in your life. So yeah, so I would say you know trust fate. You know you you naturally gravitate towards what you're good at at the end and at some point you know you know when when something's not right for you and 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 just to put it all in a loop you know like to me every now and then i'll go back and realize that there are some things where my path seemed like kind of like random to where i am today but at the same time everything that i've done and accumulated has helped me to get to where i am and what i mean by that is that you know every now and then i'll go back to something that i did 10 years ago or maybe 15 years ago and it's relevant right every experience that you have is going to be relevant and, um, and so, so that's what I would say to career switchers is that you're, you know, if you persevere and like you, you know, make contacts with people in the right industries to kind of get your leg up, you know, I mean, I was lucky that, you know, I caught, I, I had Freddie in my class who kind of introduced me to like Salesforce. Uh, that's what got me started. But, uh, you know, I think uh, it's one of the things where you pay it forward or you, or you can pay it back. So, um, yeah, so, so I would say hang in there. It's everything is doable. That's great. And thank you for tying that up nicely. Um, Indy, thank you so much for joining me today, for sharing a little bit about your career, um, your time since business school, talking about all things product marketing, particularly with that, all the companies you've worked at um, over this time and giving some great career advice. Um, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Al. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. Al D here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, 
make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.